What should every camp pro be on the lookout for this summer, and really any summer, as things are changing in the world? This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. This episode of the Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by UltraCamp. Wouldn't it be refreshing if your registration software gave you more time? With UltraCamp, you can track attendance, manage staff applications, streamline registration, and much more. Get back the time you need to focus on what's really important, camp. Find out more at summercampsoftware.com slash camphacker. Hello, Camp Pros. It's Travis. Welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. I am a summer camp marketing and strategy consultant, and I help camps translate what they do to make it so that more families are interested and insist on sending their children to summer camp. Hi, my name is Chris Hudson. Uh, I am the director of Camp Highlight, a one-week sleepaway camp for kids who have LGBTQ parents. Uh, Hi. Hey, Chris. And my name is Gabrielle Rail. I'm one of the camp directors of Camp Oro. And Camp Oro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentian Mountains of Quebec, Canada. And we focus on trying to create a positive female community. And we do that while speaking in French and English. And my name is Joe Richards. I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams Summer Camp and Retreat Facility, which is part of the United Church of Canada's camping network of 55 camps across Canada. And we are located in Fingal, Ontario, about halfway between Detroit and Toronto. Excellent. Well, welcome, everybody. So grateful to have the three of you here. I want to say publicly thank you to the three of you for hosting when I was unable to make that uh, a couple shows ago. Um, I appreciate you all having me back on that. We are talking today about uh, what I am tentatively calling the eye of the eagle. Um, what I th- what we think that um, Camp Pro should be looking for within their camp community this summer. We are recording this in January 2021. So we're thinking about the 2021 summer, but I think these kind of noticing skills will help us carry, um, will be good skills for the rest of uh, more than just this this summer coming up. And uh, there's lots of different pieces to this. Of course, it's about campers, it's about staff, and I think it's even about families. And maybe even it's about, your, maybe it's even about your camp neighbors um, and how things will be different the summer coming up. So to start us off, I wonder, Chris, if you've been thinking about what you're anticipating, definitely with your social work background, I know that you have a head for this kind of thing. What sort of stuff are you anticipating in your camp community this summer? Widespread anxiety. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, We laugh, but the, the one thing that I'm really thinking about and thinking about how to, um, head off at the pass is just that anxiety. You know, at our camp, we don't have a lot of homesickness. We don't have a lot of bedwetting. We don't have a lot of running away. Um, For the most part, our kids uh, are pretty stable. And that is because we have spent years building a culture and building an environment in which they feel safe and protected. And if there's one thing that we can say about 2020 is that most people all over the world felt neither safe nor protected. And, you know, the bubble that we create won't be free. The bubble that we've created in the past won't be free from that anxiety. The kids will be bringing it with them. Now, it's, um, we're recording this now mid-January. And uh, by the time camp rolls around, depending on what, you know, me being in America, depending on what the states do, then it's possible that the majority of people might be vaccinated by then. Nevertheless, even if that is the case, let's say that all 50 states get it together, vaccinate everybody by say June one, even still, I think the kids are gonna be coming in with a sizable amount of anxiety. There's gonna be a lot of things that we might ask them to do that they just haven't done before. Right. Strike that, then not done before, but done recently. In a long time. Like get in a line or you know, sit down at a table with people, mm-hmm. someone sitting right next to you, you know, or, you know, playing volleyball, all of you touching the same ball over and over and over again. There's a lot of things that are going to feel awkward to them. And we're going to ask them, again, I'm talking the best case scenario. If this thing, if, like I said, if most kids and staff can be vaccinated, we're going to be asking them to push themselves and listen, 
it'd be different if camps were going to be held in December of next year. Mm. But we're still within this cloud of uncertainty that is going to be summer of 2021. So that's the number one thing. I have a couple of things, but that's the number one thing um, that's, I think, anxiety. Absolutely. We're going to see a lot of that unchecked. Chris, I, I wonder if I could just ask you to follow that up. Within kids, how is how does anxiety present itself? I know we don't know how it will present itself, but what are the sort of things that that will be signs? You know, people write entire books on this. Mm. Um, <laughs> it can, I mean, from, I always think of it like from weepiness to flipping tables. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whenever it's, it's funny, whatever behavior children present, it's like, Oh, well, they're anxious or sad. That seems right. to be like the adults too. We do yeah. that too, yeah. right? Like, Oh, they're anxious or sad. And so, but if you drill down into that a little bit, I mean, one, how does it present itself? You know, the, the tip that I could give people actually, no, you can't even give that tip. Cause you know, the other thing is a lot of us haven't seen our kids by the time we see them, it'll be two years, Yeah, two years since yeah. we've seen our kids. I was going to say like, you know, just if their behavior is markedly different than what you remember, mm. but God willing, their behavior will be markedly different. They're two years because older. older. Yeah. yeah. And for our eight-year-olds, that's 25% more life lived. That's extreme. So, yep. you know, you're, I think people are going to see, I think there's going to be a lot of homesickness. I think there's going to be a lot of um, not eating. Yeah. I think there's going to be bedwetting. And I think there's going to be, you know, I'm not looking forward to this. The thing that makes me most anxious as a camp director, I think kids running away, mm. like honestly, like running away from group and being out of place and trying to find some isolation. Right. I mean, especially some of our kids who are neuroatypical mm-hmm. and they haven't been around crowds in a while. And that's yeah. just the way that they like it. And now they're back in this situation. And, you know, I can, I can spin off a, a million different examples. Um, but I think the, now that I'm talking it through, the real challenge I think for us is going to be to answer the question, what is baseline for our campers? Right. We, we, well, we don't yeah. know them. Mm-hmm. We don't know them this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, how do we deal with the anxiety that the parents are going to have about sending their kids to camp, right? Like we need to be on the look for anxiety and and triggers in kids that we haven't seen for two years, even if they're normal campers or normal staff or returning staff members. Yeah. But what we're noticing in registration is our numbers are much lower than they've ever been because with uh, in Ontario, the, the rate has increased dramatically in the past month and a half, um, the rate of infection per day. And so I just wonder how we, how will the anxiety of parents present in kids? And and nobody can know that, but, but let's be real, right? Um, parents are anxious around sending their kids to camp, period. That's something that we deal with every year. And we already know how to deal with that. We know how to talk to them. You know, usually we have the answers about everything they're concerned about. We're able to paint a picture and tell them we're going to keep their kids safe. Now, again, best case scenario, we'll be able to paint that same picture around health issues this year. You know, Camp Highlight, we've already started talking to, you know, we're conferencing with our nurse, we're talking to professionals to figure out exactly, and with the campsite, to figure out exactly what we can do so we can have that conversation with parents. We want to be really upfront. Um, That said, I, I like the way that you put it, parents are going to transmit their anxiety to their kids. And again, for sure. that's something we deal with every year anyway, you know, and honestly, I find, I have found in 20 years of camping that parents are always far more anxious than the kids are far more anxious. They have far more information and also they're not at the camp. So they don't know what's going on and they don't, they don't see all the fun. They just see all the sort of the exercise and chore around it, especially around being separated from their own children. So I mean, to answer your question, I think one, we can be prepared. We can talk to professionals. We can talk to health professionals. We can figure out what's going to work for our site and advertise that to the parents and be like, look, we are thinking about this. This is what we have in place. Um, this makes sense for where we are, wherever, wherever we're going to be in that moment. Like this is what we are doing. So we're being very proactive. And at the same time, just using the same skills that camp directors have been relying on for years to assuage parents and calm them down as they're dropping their kids off. At the end of the day, your kid's going to be fine. And if they're not fine, they're going to be fine because we're going to take care of them. That, I, don't, I don't think that song and dance has changed. And I also think that um, 
so we have to prepare, as Chris described, but we have to make sure we're telling them that we're preparing. So we can't just assume that everybody's going to think, oh, they're camp people, so they're going to have done all these things. Everybody who's listening knows that at some point in their life, once they became a camp director, someone said, so what is it like being a camp counselor? And you're like, um, I'm not. Um, so people don't know what we do. And so we have to be good at communicating. And part of that is communicating about all the training that we're doing right now to be ready. Talking about, Chris is talking about talking with the nurse, talking with um, host site, talking with site, kitchen, management staff, uh, maintenance staff about what things are going to be like, uh, and then communicating all of that to parents. So much of this is a communication problem. Um, and, and not a problem, but it's just a communication exercise that we have to manage. So I think we need to over-communicate. We need to be ready to communicate in many different ways. And I hope that camp pros are ready for, ready to be patient with many more parent calls and emails this year. A lot of us don't have patience for parent calls and emails. And I think it's time we're just going to have to dig deep and be ready that we're going to answer all of those with patience and understand that it's going to happen. And it's logical. Um, it is not a sign of weakness in those parents. It is a sign of caring. And we also care for their kids. Kev, what, what sort of things are you folks thinking about? Um, capers or staff or whatever? What are the things you're looking for? I think that um, going on with the communication with parents, I think if if we are to to look at the silver lining is that we do have the the ears and eyes of parents. And so so that gives us an opportunity to really showcase what we are doing at camp and um, to to allow them to see the the readiness, the the transparency, the the realities that we don't know, but we're planning uh, the multiple scenarios so that we're prepared. Um, I think there's a, you know, when we're in crisis, there's an opportunity to create bonds. There's an opportunity to create trust. There's an opportunity to say, to tell parents, you know, we got you, your kids are so important. They're so important to us and parents to really feel that genuine care. I think there is an opportunity here to communicate with parents where there where perhaps we we've always had anxious parents, but we also have the parents that just aren't paying attention to what we're doing and they we don't they don't really know what we do. And um, perhaps those numbers have, are gonna go up with curiosity on how we're gonna train our staff, what programs that we're doing and what are the necessary steps uh, for on their end um, that they need to do with their campers. But I think there's an opportunity in communication. And um, I'm a big fan of keeping it short and sweet and to the point and clear. So, um, but there, there's that there's that opportunity. I think at camp, um, going back to the anxiety piece, I think one of the things that's going to be stressful is the confusion. I think not just confusion on maybe a new schedule or new procedures or even how people eat their meals, but I think confusion in I used to like being around a lot of people, but now I don't, I don't understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, or I love this activity, but now I, for whatever reason, I'm jumping in internally. So and now I it think feels that, entirely different. Like yeah. It's just a whole different feel. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, Sorry, interrupt. I, no, no, it's, it's fine. I, for me, I think that, you know, when you're working with staff members and campers, a lot of the time there's, there's those feelings as, as Chris was talking, you know, anger or sadness or, and they manifest in so many different ways, but I think there's going to be, you know, sometimes it's easy. I miss my, I miss home. Um, or I don't like this person in my cabin. I think for a lot of people, including our staff members are going to be confused by the feelings that they're experiencing. And, um, I was watching, uh, just a, I can't remember what I was watching exactly, but, um, two people, you know, met up and they hugged and I was like, oh, you're not, you can't hug. And I'm <laughs> jumping and watching it from screen. And I'm like, oh yes, this is a movie. This is normal. Um, but I had this in, internal jump saying like, whoa, don't do that. And, um, and that really made me think about, about our kids this summer. And, and I think that these are the type of things that where camp directors can really take off their camp director hat and say to their staff, you know, what what do we what do we need to do to feel okay at the end of the day what what would be helpful what do we need to do at the beginning of the day 
to start it off right? Um, how can we create a space of kindness and understanding towards each other? Um, because, you know, for a lot of camps, this was a gap year. So those 17 year olds that were JCs two years ago or might be mm-hmm. activity heads now. <laughs> that right. blows their mind. You're going to have 17 and 18 year olds that have never been staff members. So you'll have whole sections that are completely new, new people. So how do we create that community and culture of sort of understanding that we're all trying together, um, being vulnerable, but then also being kind when people react or, or don't know what they're doing and opening that conversation to your staff members and you being transparent about you're not exactly sure how, but let's, let's try to figure this out as we go, you know, let's talk about it first and implement it and, and, and see if this is helpful. Yeah, that's perfect. Joe, what sort of stuff are you thinking about? I think I'm different. I think I'm thinking differently in the sense of the things I wrote down were things like, you know, figuring out what people have missed the most mm-hmm. um, and, and the potential to give them those more of those things. I know that lots of people would say that um, what campers who come back and staff who come back are going to want is to, is to, to see the things they've missed or to the things they love, but it's also the opportunity for us as we watch what we're doing to, to remove the things that we never liked. Um, right. It's, it's watching for the things that as I walk around camp, because I live at camp and I think that gives me a unique perspective every day. I walk around and I think about all of the changes that happened since August of 2019. Right. 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 Like we removed 25 trees that like created a wall of conifer behind a cabin row. We removed them so that they wouldn't, blow over and knock over, you know, ruin a cabin. But two years later, it looks like they, if you don't know, you'll just look and it'll be, and we've built things before the pandemic and we've built things during the pandemic with what we have. And so I think about what, what people have missed, what we can let go of um, and being more intentional because I think the, the idea of over-programming might cause the anxiety to be more. And so programming in the quiet times or programming in the, the, the free time or more choice-based programming. Um, And also the, the the idea that with staff and with camper parents talking about the known unknowns, right? These are the, I, I don't know, right? How many times have we said in the past year and a half in the past year? I don't know. Right. There's a giant pile of, I don't know, sitting in the corner of my office and I just keep adding to it. And, and there's nothing that's, you know, clearer today than it was you know, last month or three months ago. And so I think as we, as I'm going to watch for, right, the excitement on people for being back where they love to be, if they're allowed to come back, because that's a known unknown and giving them the ability to really put it into place, right? That, that, that they're in this place. And the hope is that if you've been gone for, for a summer, uh, for a full two years, by the time you come back, that there's a something you love, it's a place you love, you get to come back to and um, to really allow that to happen in what's going to appear or as an organic, you know, happening, but how do we plan for and give people that experience? I, I think about this, even if we're virtual again this summer, right? Like what, what are the things that campers want the most of? And now is the time to do those surveys and ask the camper parents to say, you know, what, what do you miss? And if we're not allowed to be in person, how do we, how do we give your campers the best of camp and what you deem the best of camp um, for them? How do we manage that information though? Like we also, we are going to poll the kids and the parents, like what did your child miss last year? What did they really want to do? And I've given this some thought about how to build that form and what we're going to do with the information we get 
it back because like, like I said earlier, like if the kids are like, I, I miss the pool or I miss numbers. Numbers is a game that we play where everyone runs into the field and hugs each other. Like we're going to get that information, but then we have to weigh that against, like I said, there's going to be unchecked anxiety and how do we construct our programs in such a way that respects that, hey, you didn't get this opportunity last summer, so we're going to go all out. But at the same time, we kind of can't go all out because we're not dealing with, forgive me, but we're not dealing with regular campers. This is not a regular time. And they, they are coming to us damaged and traumatized. I mean, think about our own lives, like how our own lives have changed. And I'll share with you all and everyone listening, but like, when it started, I was like, great, I get to stay home. I'm on my couch, got my Xbox, great. By the time summer rolled around and camp wasn't happening and the, the emotional fallout of that for the first time in 21 years, having nothing to do in the summer. And then it's just been trying to like army crawl back to normal since then. I've been struggling and my brain is far more advanced than our eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12 year olds. Like they are just beginning to piece themselves back together. So I guess, Joe, what you got me thinking about is like, how do we build the program to take that into account without making it a therapy camp? Because nobody wants to go to therapy camp, unless you do go to therapy camp. If you were out there and listening and you run a therapy camp, I love you and your efforts. But if you don't run a therapy camp, I'm not recommending you turn it into one. But how do we be, how do we, how can we be proactive in that I way? I think, Chris, if there are, if there's any, group of people in the world that are able to shift gears and create programs that are different and beneficial fast. It is the group of people that listen to this podcast. It is camping people. It is the, this very idea I've had for years. I grew up in United church camping and we had zero money. Right. And uh, then I went to private camping where they seemed to have endless amounts of money at a couple of camps that I worked at. And the reality is I would take the staff from the camp I grew up at any day of the week because they could make stuff happen with zero cash and just with imagination. And so the idea would be that if you take a program like numbers, you have months to figure out if it's in person, what's different about it, but the same because saying that they miss a thing doesn't mean they miss that exact thing. It means that they could miss the feeling of that thing or the, the camaraderie of that thing. And how do we give them that differently without saying this is therapy for you to feel less anxiety, less anxious about doing this activity. And, and I think that we're well set up to, to as camp people, we should be well set up to create right to create those programs either individually or as a you know as a group discussion um because i i think that the the importance is when we so there's a program that we do at pierce williams on and off it's not every year but it's the camper dream program and essentially campers on day one and they're only at camp for five days they write down like their biggest wish and and then we give it to some staff and see if they can make those wishes come true. And some of those wishes are, you know, I want to go hunting for unicorns. And our staff figure out how to take that camper hunting for unicorns. Wait, wait. And your kids want to hunt unicorns? <laughs> hunt them. Well, a hunt, a hunt is in like potentially like Easter egg hunt. You don't shoot the Easter eggs, Chris. You, okay. you just <laughs> visually find them. Um, I, I, and give listen, them I'm, a trying to help you, I'm trying to help you out yeah. to clarify yeah. for the, the audience. It's the huggy hunt. It's <laughs> okay. the hunt hug. Um, and so it, it's, it's the idea that if you can make a, if you can make a, an elven dinner at your camp out of nothing then we can adjust to a new type of programming and a new reality. And, and who knows how long this reality is going to be in place, right? Like this is the, because in 2022, are we going to be allowed to play numbers where we hug each other? And in 2023, right. Or do you, th do we think that this pandemic has changed people for a longer term? 
Um, and, and, and the answer, as I mentioned, goes into a giant pile of, I don't know, sitting over in the corner because it's a known unknown. I, I don't know, but it's but one I of those things that we'll try. have to, we'll have to be watching for like that. That's sure. worth saying to ourselves. This is the sort of thing that we need to look for going forward, that there may be, this may take longer. Certainly it definitely will take longer than we want. It may take longer than we anticipate to get to the vision of camp that most of us watching and listening are used to. Yeah. And I also wonder, go ahead, Kat. I was just going to say, and, and not to undervalue the, the power of validation, um, validating feelings. And that that's not at all, you know, therapy camp. That's just, just acknowledging, you know, what we're going through is, is, is tough. And, you know, and I know there's a there's a whole scientific reasoning behind that. But when you're when you are able to express that things suck, and somebody else agrees and says, "Yeah, this does suck," there's some sort of weight that is lifted. And if it's not lifted, then that's you know what can't people do? We have a little bit of a further conversation. But I think it's setting up your staff members for success from the beginning to say that things aren't going to aren't going to be the same. And how do we manage campers' expectations? And to lead them in saying, you, we can, let's not sugarcoat something that can't be sugarcoated. Let's be transparent about it and validate that this isn't exactly the same. But what's the ultimate goal is that we're here together and, um, and, and not dismiss those feelings, but just validating them. A lot of the times that's what's, that's what's needed. And that's like 101 with the campers that are home lonely or homesick that are missing home. We don't say, oh, it's, it's going to be fine tomorrow. You don't say that to a kid. It, they don't trust you. When you say things like that, you say, yeah, it's hard. And even for me, sometimes I do miss home too. It's, it's one of the first things you do. So I think we have to not try to put on a sparkly face um, and, and we can put on the sparkly faces, but we can also say, yeah, this, this, isn't, this isn't what we expected and, and it's okay. Do you remember why you got into camp in the first place? Sometimes all the busy work associated with running a summer camp keeps us from seeing why we're there. Ultra Camp helps you get back to what you love and why you are at camp. So what does this mean? Ultra Camp means powerful tools. With Ultra Camp, you can automate your billing for your camp clients. You can simplify your registration process and even manage your hiring process with integrated background checks right in the database software. Communicating with your customers and donors becomes much easy because much easier because you have the information right at your fingertips all in one place. Just for Camp Hocker listeners, for a limited time, you can get free setup of a new Ultra Camp account. If you think this all sounds too good to be true, they'd love to talk with you. They'd love to show you a future where you can finally have the time to get back to what's really important, growing and developing people at summer camp. So visit their website at summercampsoftware.com slash camphacker and set up a time to chat. They look forward to meeting you. One thing that I, I'm trying to anticipate or think about or consider stuff that's non-obvious to camp people, like, you know, we're camp people, like, we are going to be watching our children and putting ourselves on the line for our campers. And I'm trying to think about some of the stuff that, that won't be obvious to me. And I wonder about, and this is a, a big shift in a different direction, but um, I, I wonder if I could challenge each of you to think about some of those things that, that would be outside of the care about kids in camp and do that. And and to open that up, I I wonder about things like for those who have remote sites so um you are on a lake or out in the woods and stuff and your neighbors haven't had camp people there for two years is it going to be hard for neighbors um i know here in ontario there has been um a big trend to people moving out of the city and moving to um, their cottages or country houses or whatever they're called in your region um some Northern Ontario, those cottages are called camps, which is extra confusing. Uh, but um, I wonder if some of those folks are going to be um, surprised to be reminded that they bought a, a place beside a summer camp and what that entails. Um, the good part of that, which is 
hopefully some nice singing in the evenings or or after meals, but also that you sometimes have a hundred kids who are seven years old who have that piercing scream that happens <laughs> when kids are excited. The one that just oh, yeah. gets you right in the eye. Um, there might be some of that stuff. And you don't know if they're having fun. Or yeah. they're being killed. Murdered, yeah. Dying, yes. <laughs> it's, can't people have, have learned to develop that skill? This is, oh, it's the fun one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm still never sure. I always stop. I cock my ear and I listen. I go, well. Oh, it ends in laughter. Could be, could be not dying. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> you, you bring up an interesting point. I didn't think about that, Travis. Is like so, so I don't related. know, like, again, known unknowns, but I just wonder what those things are uh, that we should be thinking about, too. I, I'm, I'm looking at the other side. We, we have, we're, we're not in a private lake, and it's a beautiful lake. Um, and however, our lake is in between two municipalities. And so the, the wealthier, richer, bougie um, municipality uh, lets all the boats in. And then we, because we're at the end of the lake and there's a sandbar, that's where the pontoons hang out. And so over the years, we've been seeing more and more and we're asking for that municipality to raise their fees and, um, and limit the amount of boats and et cetera, et cetera. And this summer, it was, I would say it was... Um, as close to my nightmare as possible, the amount of, of pontoon boats and um, people and uh, music, conflicting music that was being played that was just blaring into our campsite where we were trying to have a nice campfire was uh, astronomical. It was so infuriating. And it was as if our, that neighboring municipality didn't, isn't cluing in on long-term planning. And it was obvious that these were cottagers. This was, this was and not long-term cottagers. They're sort of like a weekend warrior and, and people being absolutely ridiculous. Um, I ended up uh, <laughs> going down there with my cell phone and filming a bunch of people just to scare them away. It worked for some of them. I also pretended with my walkie talkie, like I had I guess, immediate contact to the cops. I don't know why it worked, but I just held the walkie talkie to my face and they kept, they just left and um, <laughs> did what I could. But I'm really concerned about next summer. I'm really concerned that this is a norm that, that is now acceptable. Um, and we do have great relationships with the neighbors around us. They've been there for years. Uh, one of our neighbors messaged us and said that they, they missed our, our singing in the evenings, um, which I thought was so nice. But on the on the other side, uh, everybody going to the country um, and and the disrespect that sometimes people have when they do travel, it was very evident uh, this summer. And I I actually had nightmares and even a panic attack this summer because of it. I I couldn't go down to the waterfront. I was thinking about how relationships with vendors, outside vendors, is affected. You know, I, I was just sitting here thinking about this. Like mm. we rely on a network of people who either like taxi service, delivery service, food service and delivery. There's a lot of people that we rely on that I just realized that, you know, it being January, I should really check in with these people to make sure one, they're still in business because yeah. it's been hard for everyone. And if they're not like coming up with a plan for that, you know, luckily slash, unfortunately, Amazon will always be in business. So our supplies will come through, but other than that, I'm thinking that we we do rely on a lot of people in the community, um, and I just don't know if they're still there. That's smart. That's really smart. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny. I did the same thing. We were looking for some welding or some metal products, and and I was like, oh, I haven't talked to our welder like in months because we haven't had the need. If when when nobody's using the site, you don't tend to break the site, right? So there's, but uh, <laughs> he got back to me and what I custom custom shelves uh, in less than a week, custom shelf brackets in less than a week. That's the, yes. So he's still around, but I think those are both important points. Our local community actually did like a fundraiser for us, and and I think that there's that that part of it, but I also. I do wonder when I see airlines canceling flights to specific places, yeah. that's a huge challenge because it represents 
right? As people pull back, as businesses pull back, um, their, their ability to do things, then it, um, then yeah, who are we? We're a small, we're a small facility that, that didn't use them for so long. So it's, a uh, yeah. Hmm. I think there's so many things we can that we simply don't know, right? Once you start thinking about how this has affected everybody, because I, right, by us not ordering, right, how's your food supplier? How is your, right. yep. you know, how is your hardware store? How is your, um, I think about our locksmith. I think about the, the septic guy, right? Who's still in mm -hmm. business? Who's not still in business? And, What's the turnaround time on things if if you need to get a uh, right? We need we have a fridge that's broken right now, a big industrial fridge, and I'm just not paying to fix it at this moment in time because I don't need to spend that money right now. But how much time do I need to give them if I want to fix it before people come? Right. So, is anyone here worried about transportation? Speaking about outside vendors. Yep. I realize that we usually ferry kids from like metropolitan areas like New York mm -hmm. City. We mm -hmm. like subsidize like a van of like limousine service, bring the kids in. Sometimes it's an actual limousine, which was all yeah. the rage that year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, I don't think we'll be able to do that again, mm -hmm. which then has like actual consequences for enrollment. There are some people yeah. who just will not be able to get their kids to the middle of the woods of yeah. Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. I, again, it's like the kind of thing to call and check in and see like what all these vendors are doing post COVID, post COVID, during COVID. It's not like mm. it's going away. Yeah. Um, but it's just something to consider. Like how are we moving kids around? If you are at a camp where you are doing field trips and you're going off site, like what is yeah. that? What does that look like? I mean, even if all your kids are vaccinated, all your staff is vaccinated, like it doesn't matter. The bus company might be like, well, actually we've, um, we can only get 20 kids on a bus. That's mm -hmm. it. That's it. And then it's just something you have to think about for the budget or whether you do that at all. And it seems likely just to follow up on what you're saying, Chris, um, it, it seems very likely that kids are not going to be, that it's, it's maybe probable that our staff will be vaccinated and I know that different camp associations are are lobbying to make sure that camp staff are included and can get things but kids aren't aren't likely to be vaccinated by the summer and so that's an interesting piece of this I don't want to take us down that um neither are staff really like yeah. you, you think about who our staff are yeah young and Able I mean, again, it, it depends which country you live in and then mm -hmm. like what state or province you live in. I don't know about the provinces of Canada, but the states, it's all different fiefdoms over here. They're doing different things. Yeah. So like yeah. as far as New York, where I live, is concerned, it's quite possible that the general population won't begin to see vaccinations until June, July, which it means like a lot of our staff who are young people without a lot of health problems are going to be at the end of that list. So they, they might arrive unvaccinated which also is one more thing to look at staffing. They may not arrive at all because they are unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. What else were you thinking, Gab? Well, and I, I was just thinking about transportation. And one of the things that we're communicating with our families is that, um, that they need to be able to pick up their kids within eight hours of wherever they are. Um, we're not sick. accepting any children or staff members to sleep uh, at camp if they're ill, whether it's mm. COVID or not. And that's what that's done is, is pretty much create a, a, a phone conversation with almost every single uh, parent. And it absolutely has created a conversation with every single staff member. So there are certain staff members that just don't have what we're calling an exit plan. And um, families have to give detailed uh, examples of how that how they are they will be able to do that um, simply because we know that that's going to be probably our task force is saying you know no matter what's happening with vaccinations this summer to be safe you cannot house anybody that's ill at camp uh, they need to go home so the <laughs> this is you know obviously messing with our numbers and it's messing with our registration 
But at the same time, I think it goes back to our original point of anxiety and of communication, where trying to be transparent with our families, trying to say that we don't have all the answers, but there's certain things that we're taking into account and we're asking that you're part of that plan. Um, and it's, I think it's, it's about saying we're a community together and we have to do this together or else it's not going to work. Yeah, that's really, really good to be thinking about. I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about that at all. But everybody <laughs> lives much closer here. And the funny yes. thing is, I operate <laughs> a quarantine site right now. Yes, right. you do. <laughs> and we actually have, there is a policy in place. We have a building set aside that we can't use on a regular basis. And our policy with all the farmers through the health units is that once they're sick, they're not allowed to spend the night. Mm-hmm. So they need, they need to find a hotel room to put them up in or get right. them, give them off site. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're, I mean, obviously our campers are not going to hotels. They need to be picked up by a guardian. Um, but our staff members, they, they need to have that, that exit plan and their families or friends need to be uh, willing and available to come pick them up. And we do not have people that are local uh, at our camp. Right. Um, so. Me neither. Yeah. 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 For the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big sigh. Um, Were we too doom and gloom there? Uh, <laughs> Was that too doom and gloom? I don't know. I'm honestly a bit worried that people are have just decided that this summer, from some of the things I've been reading, some of the people are just glossed over. No, no, everything's fine. Right. It'll be fine this summer. And I'm like, I, I, that's not responsible to be thinking that way. Like definitely have that plan. And I sure hope it's the case, but yes. it's just not responsible to make that your default. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to make sure that we addressed it and, and, and we're conscientious about it. So mm-hmm. thank you to the three of you. Uh, if you, uh, learn something from folks. So we'll give you a chance at the end of the show to reach out to them. If you have some questions, um, if you've got something from this discussion or previous camp Echo discussions, I would encourage you to, to use the, the ratings feature on your podcast app to, to let us know, um, which particular shows leave us an honest review on iTunes or any of the other um, places that you can leave podcast reviews, because we want this to get out to as many camp pros as we can. We, therefore, are moving on to our Tool of the Week. Tool of the Week. If you were drawn in by our clever topic, and this is the first time you're listening to the Camp Packer Show, we ask each panelist to come with one tool that makes them a better camp director. And um, that is our Tool of the Week section. So, Joe, what is your Tool of the Week this week? My tool of the week this week is a book called The Big Book of Maker Skills, and it is by um, Chris Hackett and the editors of Popular Science. I took it to my lake house over the holidays and read it. Um, I've owned it for a number of years. I bought it on sale in a bargain bin at a bookstore. But for somebody who's just getting started with no with no knowledge of wrenches or circuits or electricity or how to build or cut something. They have a welding section. They have an LED section. It is just a fascinating way to think about the world and, and gives you some really basic things that are, um, that are really relevant, relevant for everything that happens at camp, be it a physical camp, uh, an overnight camper, be it a day camp, there are things in this book for everybody. It is, I have a price on it of 10 bucks. Uh, I don't know what it actually costs right now, but it's uh, brilliant. And I would encourage other people to, to, to keep sort of resources like that in your, in your library. Yep. And um, if you want to find these things, as usual, you go to camphacker.tv slash podcast and you can find the show notes there with a link. This is episode 140. Um, and so if you want to find it, stuff like this book or everybody else's tools, then uh, go to camphacker.tv slash podcast. Chris. So, uh, class, I was unprepared. So I... <laughs> <laughs> 
There would have been no reason no, you couldn't have. No one would that. have known. No, but, you no. know, if there's one thing we do on this Who's podcast, gonna know? We, we tell gonna the know? truth. Who's going to know? Nobody's going to know. The truth is I was unprepared. So I'm going to recommend one of my favorite books, which is off-camp topic, but I highly recommend this. It will change the way you think of anything. The book is called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. And Postman, um, he was an educator and a writer here in New York. And what he was positing was that, hey, you know, the news looks more and more like entertainment as time goes on. How is it that You know, you think about um, Charles Dickens in his time was as famous as the Kardashians are now, but he was a writer and there, I'm not even sure what they do. Um, He goes on to say, just like we have dumbed down and streamlined so many extremely important aspects of our lives. Presidential debates in America used to take all day and citizens used to go home, take a nap and eat, come back and listen to more um, debates. Nowadays, like you have 30 seconds to respond to someone's one minute screed. The whole point is, is that by reading this book, which is 20, 25, 30 years old, you get an idea, you can see where, how we ended up in the situation that we are in today. It's been something that um, the world has been moving towards for a very long time. It's a super quick read. It's very easy. He's a really engaging writer. And yeah, please read it and then write me and tell me what you thought about it because it is my favorite book and I can talk about it all day long. Cool. So that's it. Amusing ourselves to death. Brilliant. I think it's a great choice. Uh, Gab, why don't you go next and I'll go last. Oh, Chris, for somebody that did not prepare, <laughs> huzzah, well done. Um, for me, um, I have two mics and they're smartphone mics. I'll start for my Android friends. There's the Sure mic for Android um, that you can put on your smartphone and just enhance the sound quality and recording quality of your voice. Um, and there's also the Rode Video Micro for um, Apple phones. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this forward is that, as we mentioned at the beginning of, of our podcast today, communication is going to be really important for families. And just talking head videos, holding up your cell phone, um, a mic is going to make all the difference. And these are two suggested mics that plug right into your phone. But of course, you can get a lavalier mic that clips onto your shirt. Um, there's a whole bunch of mics that are out there. And whichever one fits for you, I think, is what's most important but a lot of times when we do videos, we overlook the importance of sound and sound really makes a difference of, from people feeling like it's, that it's professional and also clicking, you know, people would rather listen to something that's clear and nice than something that visually doesn't look great. So um, invest in, in a microphone if you're going to be doing some, some videos and uh, videos don't have to be super polished. They can just be these 30 second, one minute uh, videos, but uh, adding a little mic will give you confidence and also will be nicer for your listeners. Yep. They can be all that as long as people can hear them well. Yep. I agree. It's good. Uh, I have, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm presenting safety classes as my, um, <laughs> my tool of the week. Uh, something presenting- happened recently. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I learned about these as a tool recently and bought some. Um, as I've gotten older, I'm less able to function without my bifocals on. Um, and so I have been stuck with uh, a face shield and any safety stuff in the shop or any projects. And that's, annoying which lots of people in the world are working with face shields these days so i feel a lot of empathy to them um i have uh, i found these you can get them amazon basics makes a set but they are a copy of a dewalt set um so at the moment amazon.com is selling the dewalt goggles safety goggles cheaper than their own brand um I don't know, Amazon math, man, it freaks me out. Um, These will slide over my glasses and they don't fog up and they're safe and comfortable and they're great. So again, go to campbacker.tv slash podcast to look for the show notes for show 140 um, to to see the link to these if you're not watching this on YouTube. Um, But if you are watching, they're nice and big and comfortable and that's pretty rare in safety glasses. used to be a lot more rare. It's a little better these days, but they're quite nice. So there you go. Can I just just tack on something to ski goggles, safety glasses? Yeah, yeah. They're great in a snowstorm. Just FYI. There you go. 
Uh, yep, I have definitely used these while blowing snow this year um, because I haven't been able to wear. I, I used to wear ski goggles when I blew snow. Um, by wearing these, so thank you. That's great. Love that. Uh, okay, so thank you to the three of you for being here. Thank you for your your contributions today, Chris. If people have some follow up, how do they get in touch with you? Sure, couldn't be easier. You can write me Chris at camphighlight.com. You can find me on Instagram at Planet Chris One, or you can follow Camp Highlight on Instagram at Camp Highlight. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. Joe? Uh, it's just as simple. If you want to reach me, you can contact Chris, and then Chris can get in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be easier. Couldn't be easier. <laughs> you can reach me at uh, joe at yoyojoe.com or uh, check out campisbetter.com, and, um, and that is where camp is and all my contact info. Excellent. All right. Gab, how about you? You can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail, and you can DM, it, DM me there. And you can check out where I work at waro.com, O-U-A-R-E-A-U.com. And you can also send me an email at info at waro.com. And my good friend at XN, who responds to that, will make sure I get back to you. Perfect. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Well, I want to thank the three of you again for, for this. And I want to uh, say to those who um, are watching this on YouTube or listening to us as you're walking about how grateful we are that you are um, a part of this camp community. And uh, thank you for being a part of the Camp Parker podcast. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus. Hey, Camp Pros, we love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker podcast, conference, summer camp professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more camp pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.